0: May I speak to you in the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So when I was in college, I studied abroad for a quarter in Costa Rica. And I was doing some biological research. And during this period of time in the program where we were supposed to be focused on our research, we were also in a homestay. So I got to stay in the lovely home of a couple in Monteverde up in the cloud forest so I could do my research and also get to know the culture and the ways of the people of Costa Rica out as soon as I came into their lovely home that their power plugs would not work with my laptop. My laptop has three of the little thingies and their power plugs only had two throughout the house. So I was in quite a pickle. So I needed to be able to do my research and to write this paper that I had to write. So I uh, took myself in a taxi down into the town Santa Elena and I went to the hardware store. And for some reason, my Spanish vocabulary vanished when I showed up at the hardware store. I could not remember the word for outlet or for wall or adapter or anything so i ended up talking to the clerk and more or less saying this so i'd like to buy the thing that when you want to put the electricity into the lamp and the lamp has three but there's only two so you make two into three and then three into two and the clerk took me to exactly what i was looking for It really wasn't elegant, but I got what I needed. It got me there. And the language that I used was useful in the end. And this is really at the heart of what we're talking about on Trinity Sunday. This is a feast of celebration of language in a similar way that we celebrate language in Pentecost. We celebrate this word, Trinity. We celebrate this doctrine, Trinity. It's a particular way that we talk about God, this God that is. And it's always a challenge for preachers because the Trinity is so mysterious and we have entire classes on it in seminary. And it's been really interesting watching the Facebook chatter this week of my colleagues um, who are preachers to talk about the sermons that they're going to preach. Some of them are talking about the history of our tradition and particularly the Nicene Creed. And they're talking about Greek words like homousios, which means substance and then the people that disagreed and split and left the church because they didn't like that word for how to describe Jesus and they're talking about who got excommunicated and why and who got you know who won these battles and these debates Um, There are other preachers who are really working beautifully with poetic language, with metaphor, trying to find a metaphor that just beautifully explains the Trinity. One is that the Trinity is like water. It can be steam, it can be liquid, and it can be ice, it can be solid. It's the same thing, but it has three different states. And of course, there are those who say, well, that's heretical because blah, blah, blah. (laughs) An interesting one that I hadn't heard before is that the Trinity is kind of like a hard-boiled egg, that you have a shell and you have a yolk and a white, but it is still one. It is an egg. And there are other reasons why that might be heretical and not the right thing to say. We're grasping for these metaphors to give us that aha moment where we finally understand the Trinity. And some of my colleagues are saying, it's just a mystery. And they're leaning hard into that and they're wondering and contemplating. And if you know anything about me and how I preach, I'm not really comfortable there. I like to have something practical to do. I'd like to have something to work with and just throwing my hands up and saying it's all a mystery doesn't quite work for me. And then there are still others who are delving deep into the scriptures. Our scriptures this morning just give us so much to think about. We have wisdom in the book of Proverbs saying that she was there during the creation of the earth. Well, who is wisdom? What is wisdom? Who is this other part of God that was with God at the creation? And you have Jesus in the Gospel talking about the relationship between the Father and the Son and this Advocate who is to come, and it's very rich stuff to go to. And it's all interesting, but I want to come away when I go to church with something in my hands, with something practical when I'm wandering around the hardware store trying to look for the right words, I still want to get to where I'm going. And that's not to say that words don't matter. Words do matter. Yet none matter as much as the Word made flesh. The birth, the ministry, the death, and the resurrection of Christ is perhaps the only perfect Word we have to describe God. It's a word that is so perfect. It's not even a word, it's a life. Now, if that sounds vague and contradictory and kind of fumbling to you, you are absolutely right. It's my interpretation, they're my words. And we cannot get hung up on what the words are themselves. These words are a means to an end, and that end is to get closer to the Word made flesh in Jesus Christ. And we all know that words are powerful. Words cause schisms, they start wars, they hurt, they generate fighting in our tradition. And I suspect that this use of words is really not something that God likes. That God does not delight in the word being used to divide. But rather God wishes that words are used to bring us closer to the divine. And we can all take delight in a simple understanding which is that all of us are fumbling for the right words. We're looking for the words in scripture and in our tradition and in ourselves that bring us closer to God. Just in the same way that we might fumble when we say a prayer together that's unfamiliar. At the end of the day, whatever words you use to describe God, if they bring you to trust and to faith in this God who absolutely loves you and adores you and delights in you, then use those words. What are they? What are the words that help you relate to Jesus? What are the words that you speak to others to inspire them and encourage them in their faith and in their life journey? I have a great example from one of our readings this morning. From our book of Proverbs, wisdom is talking about being there as God is creating and she says, I was beside him like a master worker and I was daily his delight rejoicing before him always, rejoicing in his inhabited world and delighting in the human race. Y'all, this is my life mission statement. I want to be beside God like a master worker learning from an even more master worker. I want to daily be God's delight, rejoicing before Him always and rejoicing in His inhabited world and delighting in the human race. These are the words that bring me close to God. Ultimately, we, And our forebears and all those old church patriarchs who debated the meaning of the Trinity and the three-in-one and the Godhead, we're all just people in a hardware store asking for that thing that makes the other thing work and the stuff that seals the doohickey to that round thing. So whether it's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, or Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, Trinity, three-in-one, Godhead. As long as these words get us closer to the thing that matters, the word made flesh, we are God's delight. Amen.